What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 19 of Crave the Book, Crush Edition. Today, we are going to be starting our read of Crush, and we're going to be covering chapters one through four of Tracy Wolf's Crush. So guys, let's go ahead and get started. Guys, it is Crush the Book. We are crushing the book. It's going to make a lot of sense for Crush the Book and Covet the Book. And then once Court comes out, Amber has pointed out that Court the Book is going to be a really <laughs> weird podcast title. <laughs> yep. That's going to be a bit odd. But hey, it still makes sense as a sentence. It just doesn't have the same nuance of a double entendre. <laughs> or maybe it does have more of a double entendre than the rest of them. Yeah. Guys, we're going to be starting Crush today. So from this point on, until we switch all of the thumbnails over to Covet the Book, we are going to be talking about Crush. So we're starting right at the beginning today. We're starting right at the very first chapters. Um, and you guys, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice that I've changed the thumbnails. However, the episode titles... It's still going to be episode 19. Uh, Amber had asked if we wanted to make this episode one of Crush the Book, but the way that the podcast apps are set up, it will be episode 19. So they'll still be in order if you need to go through and, and find certain episodes. Uh, the only difference is that if you subscribe on YouTube, the thumbnails will be different and these will all be listed in their own individual playlists. So if you want to listen to Crave episodes, find the Crave playlist. If you want to listen to the Crush episodes, I will be starting a Crush playlist for all of these as well. And then I did a separate one for the ASMR series and one for the Guide to Catmere Academy. But guys, we're starting with chapters one through four. We stopped at five. Uh, a lot goes on in these very first chapters. So if you are reading along with us, and if you don't want to have the rest of the book or covet or any of our fan theories for court spoiled for you, there's a specific sound that you're going to want to listen for. Amber, do you want to tell them what that sound is? The sound, just like all previous episodes, will be, of course, the howl. Ooh. <laughs> um, we made it really, really easy so that if you don't want any spoilers and you don't want to listen past the howl, then you can make sure that everything before that is relatively spoiler-free. And then everything after that, we'll be talking about all the books, the Guide to Catmere, and also our hopes and dreams for Court that is coming out next month oh, oh my god, god i'm so excited yeah we're not gonna do a full uh we're not going to start our read-along of court with you guys uh for the episodes we'll just do a we're not gonna be able to we're not gonna be able to to hold it off oh like, no literally like the minute that it is in our hands we're going to read the whole thing Absolutely. So we're just going to have a one-off episode right after court releases. We'll do one episode, just kind of an overview of the whole book. And then we will continue because by then we'll probably be either halfway through Crush or starting Covet, just depending on how much we hustle. Um, so I would dare say that it will be a couple months before we actually have a full like season of court content but we will do an episode because just like you we won't be able to wait and then hopefully by the time we get through that we'll be able to do charm but uh let's go ahead and get into it because grace just woke up 
She does, she just she's just going on her merry way, walking down the hallways, <laughs> cat your cat. Going back to class. Tra la 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 la. I want to know <laughs> where did she wake up? Did she think that she was asleep standing up? But she she's clearly because she she notices later that she's covered in blood. Um from I assume you know the original incident at the end of Crave with where she's you know getting whacked with a sword she doesn't remember any of that though she's just tra la 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 go to class <laughs> I also think that like she's walking around I think that she might have just it wasn't a moment of clarity it was just a gradual awakening Rather than like, oh, she was asleep and now she's awake, or she was a gargoyle and now she's awake and a human. Like, oh. she's genuinely, she's just like, you know, when you're driving and you reach your destination, but you have absolutely no conscious part of you remembers yeah. any specific part of the drive. I think it was like that, where like, because it's just a banal part of her day where she wasn't doing anything interesting, her her brain was just like, oh, and now I'm in a corridor. I don't remember really waking up, but I'm not going to try and actively remember waking up because it's not a like a thing you need to do. You've just reached your destination and you're not sure how you got there. But you know that you did it safely. <laughs> right. Well, you said in, in the notes, why is she so cold? Is it because she was in stone for so long? I'm thinking mm-hmm. to, to go with what you said with your, your last point, maybe she's thawing out slowly. Maybe she's like, yeah. she's defrosting. So as she's, yeah. she's remembering things as she defrosts a little bit. I mean, if you think about her encased in stone, her blood isn't pumping. In the winter. And yeah, and she she and she's because she's stone. She's she's not anything that's going to bring in any warmth. She's not going to retain any warmth. So I guess it depends on what her and what she was doing in there. <laughs> yeah, I I also want to know what kind of stone she is. Like, was she just a gray, like concrete? That's how I or mean. Was she like a limestone or I, was she marble? She's a gargoyle, so I would assume that she's just gray. Yeah concrete stone i don't think she's yeah. anything fancy it's like <laughs> she's like venetian marble they're, they're <laughs> chipping little pieces of her off to sell like gold flecks <laughs> yeah so she comes back and a chunk of her hair is missing <laughs> yeah where did they go <laughs> so everybody's staring at her um yeah everybody's just watching her freaking out doing double takes yeah, and the only person that actually comes to her and and is speaking to her is Mackay. And I'm yeah. like, how long was she walking for before Mackay pops up? Because it was enough to be conscious of everyone staring. Um, and it's enough for her to be like ruminating about the fact that, yes, yeah, she's dating Jackson. So she comes with that reputation of being stared at and that people part in the corridor for her to pass. But how long was she walking before somebody actually stopped her? Well, because no one really some... talks to her anyway, other than, no. you know, her little crew. But, so, But if you were at school and somebody was missing for four months and you knew, because well, I don't think it was hidden what she was. I don't think so either. Because she because she was in, it, she was in the middle of a school corridor. <laughs> right. Every, word would have gotten around. Yeah. Um, and you, you'd think that like people would have been whispering, like, "Oh my God, that's Grace! 
like, what? She's come out of her stone or she's she's not a gargoyle anymore. Like, there was nothing. Her ears haven't it thought was just... out yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, nobody mentioned anything. This whole scene, to me, like, I can... So I had a lot of trouble with Crave picturing things that would be cinematic for a movie. I mean, obviously, there were some good scenes in Crave, but overall, it wasn't written in a way that I that it felt like a movie, like, script. But reading just even the beginning of Crush, I'm like, I can see this. This, where she's walking and everyone's turning their heads, and it just reminded me of the scene where Edward and Bella first get out of Edward's car and they're, like, officially dating, and it, the camera angle just shows, like, what they're seeing. Every, everyone's turning, and he's like, he's like, well, since I'm going to hell, like, it's that scene, the way that everybody just turns, and they're like, whoa. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's how I picture it. Have, I think it's going to have just as iconic a music as yeah. well. So um, a teacher... Mr. Bader, um, from- I was so annoyed with the scene. The scene confuses me so much. Mr. Mr. Werewolf, which Grace has assessed based on the fact that he she can see a tooth, I guess. Well, she she said that she didn't recognize his voice. She turns around, and then it's the astronomer teacher, Mr. Bader, who then escorts her to class or escorts her to Uncle Finn's office, but she still doesn't know who he is. Is it like a, oh, you know the teacher's name, but you don't know necessarily, you've never had a conversation with them before? Yeah, maybe she's seen his face, but she hasn't heard his voice. Maybe and also, he's... oh, go ahead. Go on. Oh, I was going to say maybe <laughs> his, he's using a much more panicked voice and she just doesn't recognize his voice. No, what... because it, it says it later on, like when he's escorting her, she's like, I just, I don't know who Mr. Bader is. I'm assuming that he's a werewolf. Um, and she was like, oh, it would make sense that a werewolf taught astronomy because what other creature would be interested in like lunar phases and things like she's room. She's like chatting to herself about who he is. Maybe he has she's, a name. She, he has a name tag on. <laughs> which is Raj. 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 Yeah. Bada. Bada. Raj Bada. I think, I think it's Bader. And I, I say that and I made the note about Mr. Bader because I had a teacher named Mrs. Bader and they're definitely married. And we we totally in school we we would just call her master and she didn't understand that we were calling her <laughs> master Bader. Oh wow. <laughs> she didn't get it cuz she was super sweet and innocent and we'd be like, "Yes, master." <laughs> and she's like, "I I don't know why you guys keep calling me that." <laughs> but, and uh, like a small a small little spoiler. I don't remember Mr. Bader coming back ever again. No, I don't think that Mr. Bader comes back. And they make it a point <laughs> to use his first name, too. Right? Yeah. So they kind of, like, throw away a character there. But he could be in, like, Uncle Phil's pool team, maybe. <laughs> you know, like, maybe they go bowling together. I think that's it the kind of person that he's like, yes, he's going to be an important character. In court. In the, in the spin-off series. <laughs> he's he's going to be very significant when they go rescue all those kids. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether you've noticed, but so far we've introduced a warlock in Uncle Phil, a werewolf in Raj Bader. I don't know about you, but I feel a team is assembling. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
the A team. We've got <laughs> we've got the super cool teachers that you only see once. Yep. And I think the therapist is going to come up. The therapist. There was another nurse <laughs> in the last book. A nurse that wasn't Maurice. There's. We've mm-hmm. got a lot. We've got a whole a whole little crew here of significant yep. characters. Yeah. Um, I love how Grace is. She's talking about like fear, fear, fear. How how she's just got this creeping dread, and then her fear. The quote is fear into an insidious panic upon realizing that her phone is not in her pocket. <laughs> and I can and guys, to- I feel that. I feel, yeah, I, 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 uh, I completely feel that. And it's not just a, like, oh, my phone is not in my pocket. You then start searching your bags and stuff, but she doesn't do that. Like, she's so certain that it would only be in her pocket. Not like, oh, I must have left it in my room or anything. Like, she is a person where she's like, I know it would be in my pocket and it's not in my pocket. Therefore, it does not exist anymore. That's like her number one indication that something is seriously wrong is that the phone is not in the pocket, which, you know what? Relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Yours was always hanging out of your back pocket. Mm -hmm. Like, if if anybody could just reach in and steal it, just hanging out. 70% 70% of it is outside the pocket. It's my <laughs> my pop socket kind of clips into my back <laughs> pocket. So if someone were to pull it out, I would definitely feel it. But my phone is huge and girl pockets aren't real pockets. Girl pockets don't fit phones. No, they don't. It's awful. No, they don't. Um, I did mark uh, page nine. Same. Yeah. Same. I, like, you read it down like, and I was like, wait, what? Um. And then I read it and I was like, that is very strange. Yeah, so I've got it open. Um, Finn, when when Grace goes to Finn's office, obviously there's like that moment of hugging and oh my God. And no one is telling Grace what the hell is going on. So she just thinks that it's only been like a day. She has no idea that a bunch of time has passed. But um, Finn says, can you message Jackson Vega and ask him to meet me in here as soon as possible? And look up what time my daughter's, he glances at me, then back at his assistant, tests are over as well, please. And tests is italicized. So he looks over at the, at the, um, at the assistant. Yeah. And says, and like air quotes, can you, can you see what time my daughter's tests are over? What type of tests was she? I mean, did. Maybe we maybe we found find that out and I just forgot from the first read through. Yeah, I mean I I don't I can't remember what it could be, but it was odd to read. And you'd think that Grace would at least be a bit more observant and notice that he said that and like kind of pocket away that information for later to go, okay, I'm going to ask her about this when we're reunited well in grace's defense she's got a lot of other shit going on in her head right now yeah i also feel kind of upset that macy wasn't involved in like the trio of just like get in touch with her like call jackson and get him out and and macy but he he then also kind of said like oh but macy's got more important things to do (laughs) yeah then notice that her best friend and cousin has come back from this stone induced coma from four months ago yeah, except and, she's got and, some tests. And Jackson, he he doesn't even wait for the call. He just busts in the room out of nowhere. 
Well, Mackay must have texted him. Yeah, yeah. Because he said he like, that was the first. Yeah, like, um, and I and I love the fact that nobody had assumed that anybody would have texted Jackson anyway. Because remember when um, Grace and Flint were in the library, and Flint got a text, and it was like the student like chain email to say that something was going down in one of the classrooms between Cole and Jackson. Yeah. And I was like, somebody somebody must have texted him, whether it was Mackay or not, like somebody would have mentioned it to somebody and it, the rumor would have gone so fast. They probably would have jumped to conclusions. It wasn't just like Grace has come back, but like Grace has come back and she's like five months pregnant or something. <laughs> <laughs> like they they would they would have really like Chinese whispered it out of control but yeah he he would have known before flint even knew yeah absolutely guaranteed well and and i'm i'm assuming that i mean where was where was grace's statue located did they put it back in i I thought that it stayed in finn's office because in guide to catmere i swear i remember a conversation between the vampires where they're like oh Jackson had wanted to keep Grace in his room and they they had to tell him that that was crazy. And maybe it's a fever dream, but I'm pretty sure that that was a part of it. And I thought they kept her in the um like medical wing or whatever it was called. Set her propped up in the corner. <laughs> I just think, right, if I was gargoyled, gargoyled, whatever the verb is, and somebody made the decision for me as to where I would rest, I would want to be somewhere I wasn't on view because they don't know whether I'm conscious. I just sat there watching the world going, oh crap, everybody is staring at me. And like, if she did go to Jackson's room, if he met, if he had one, like imagine if the roles were reversed and it was like somebody else who had like the power of influence, for example, and managed to influence people to let him have her in his room and was doing strange things in the room. And you had to just <laughs> sit there and watch. I think it would be a bit weird. So I hope that they gave her a bit of privacy, you know. I'm just imagining like the little girl from Finding Nemo tapping on the glass, except they're tapping on, like, Grace's head. Like, are <laughs> like you in start, there? They start doing that, like, rub for luck thing. She ends up having, like, erosion on her shoulder. Yeah, have you ever, so many people. <laughs> have you ever seen the statues of dogs and you can see, like, where everybody pets the, the dog? Yeah, the shiny statue. spot. Yeah. The shiny spot on the statue. Yeah, but that's that's bad because anytime it's a w- statue of a woman, it's always the boobs that are shiny because everybody walks by and touches the boobs. So Grace needs her own room <laughs> as a gargoyle. She needs exactly. a special place. Either and that- I think that that would be the first thing you do as, as Uncle Finn, as principal of the school, you would build the gargoyle room. And that would be where she can go if she's gargoyleized. She goes in a cupboard. <laughs> toss Toss a blanket over her. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So Grace is all bloody, um, which, you know, that all kind of confuses me anyway, because they're going to class and Hudson appears, swings the sword. And it's kind of like the moment that sword makes impact, Grace is gargoyled. And it's not like she has a big gash on her neck, which almost leads me to believe that she got bloody somehow in the gargoyle Trying to get out. Maybe see I I know that when she had the fight with Leah 
They then went and made a snowman. And it was like the next day after yeah. building a snowman that she was walking around. So whatever had happened in the dungeons, she hadn't have healed yet. She said like cuts and bruises all over her hands. I don't think that that would have been from the sword. That would have been remnants of that fight. Okay, I I read it like she was bloody, not just beat up. So she's just beat up. She doesn't have like blood yeah. on her hands. Okay, okay, that makes. No, she's got like scraped. You know, like when you've punched something and you've lost the skin on your knuckles. I think that that was what I imagined, and I and I read it as if that was remnants of the fight with Leah, not the sword. Yeah, because the sword was aimed at her back, not her hands. And her wrists were bound with Leah too, so those would have been bruised and cut yeah. off. That that makes a yeah. lot more. A lot more sense. Unless your theory is correct where she had to, like, hurt herself to get out of her gargoyle. Well, we will find that out in Charm. Yeah. Um, One thing that I really loved, and I'm going to mention it again in the spoilers later, is that how Grace is grounding herself for the first time. So in the first book, in Crave, she suffers from anxiety a lot. Um, She's talking about the fear, the panic... Um, but she doesn't really have any coping mechanisms for it. She just kind of rides the anxiety, which is one way of doing it. But this time she starts staring at things and counting the things on Finn's desk and um, talking about how she was gripping the chair to sort of make sure that she was remembering what was real and what was not. Um, and that was really nice that it, she she seemed to have developed as a character in the four months without jackson oh Um, i think i know what your spoiler is gonna be yeah um and uh yeah this was the first time that we saw it and i don't think on my first read through i had connected those dots yeah so she's mysteriously come up with some coping mechanisms out of nowhere yeah yeah and it's not something that jackson or uncle finn are easy to help her with either i noticed so when she is is she's proper panicking and doesn't go to the grounding because she's gone too far she's not conscious of her own panic they're just like just breathe just breathe jackson's panicking himself because he doesn't know what to do and then uncle finn is apparently trying to do some calming spells she thinks and she's saying that that's not working and um that is the first sign that magic does not work on her. Yeah. Uncle Finn wasn't aware of that. He doesn't know that that works. So grounding and actual physical therapies for like making sure that you are safe and that you are secure and that nothing's going to hurt you and you're not in danger anymore. Um, those might be the only ways of her getting out of her anxiety. Um, and it yeah it was it was interesting to read that on the second read through that I, like the bits that you pick up on when you didn't read it the first time yeah absolutely I, I'm picking up tons of stuff even even mm-hmm. things that I wasn't like noting just little things that weren't significant enough to you know dedicate ten minutes of the podcast to but there's a lot of little things sprinkled in that you wouldn't realize um, one thing do that you, do you use that as what? A, as a technique grounding. Um, not the way that she does. I usually, when I'm having a really bad anxiety attack, um, I mean, normally I just go to sleep if I know that there's no snapping (laughs) out of it. I will just go lay down until it goes away. But most of the time I just have to remind myself that no matter what, whatever 
is going on in my head is not as extreme as what I'm making it out to be. So for example, when Mm -hmm. we were getting ready for the podcast today, I thought my daughter was supposed to have a doctor's appointment and Amber was, was 45 minutes from, uh, from her house and I had forgotten about my daughter's doctor's appointment. So I thought we were only going to have a little bit of time to record the podcast. And I was having like a panic attack, like, oh man, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to need, okay, I need to take a shower. And then right when we get done with the podcast, I'm going to have to hurry up and go get my daughter. And then we got to go back home and then we got to get ready for the doctor's appointment. And I just like reminded myself, I'm like, it's not that big a deal. Like, it's not the end of the world. We can do yeah. the podcast quickly. And then her doctor's appointment ended up getting rescheduled. So it was like a week. At the, at the same time as me being stuck in traffic. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I just I remind myself that nothing is the end of the world. Everything mm-hmm. is figure outable and nothing is going to hurt So extreme. Me. Yeah, so yeah. extreme that you're going to die. Yeah, the worst case scenario in that case would be that we had to record the podcast tomorrow and I just didn't get as much of a Tuesday. So, or this evening. Like, yeah. There was nothing that meant that I couldn't wake up at 11 p.m. suddenly and do the podcast for you and then that that would just be like 7 p.m. your time. Yeah, but I wouldn't do that to you. Nah. I don't like doing that to you. <laughs> um but yeah when 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 i when i am one in i make my world as small as possible because the more things that are, are around you the more things that you feel like you have to take into consideration so what i do is i i, I tend to go either into the smallest room or into the bath um or i i have from a, f- a few times I have Marco Polo'd you or messaged you from underneath my desk. Um, <laughs> I make my world as small as possible so there's less for my brain to take in. Um, obviously, this doesn't work if you are claustrophobic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I make my world as small as possible and I sit there and I count the things that I can see um, or I pick something up, usually something like squishy or textured, and I... I talk about, and I, I absolutely sound like a raving lunatic, but I talk about how heavy it is in my hands, what it feels like in my hands, what I could do with it. Like it's making things as very, as tactile and as, what's the word? Tangible. Tangible as I can to remind myself what is reality and what is in my head. Um, because a lot of the times your anxiety is coming from fears and anxieties that are not reality. And that probably won't come to pass, but your brain is trying to do the what if scenarios so that you are prepared for if they do happen. Our issues are because of like child trauma and past experiences is that sometimes those what if scenarios did happen and we are protecting ourselves against it. So I have to kind of remind myself that anxiety is here so that I am safe but I do not need it anymore because I am still safe. I'm still safe. Nothing's going to hurt me. No one is coming to get me. And if I need to talk with someone, I have a myriad of people that have under- understand where I'm coming from. Because speaking to somebody who has never suffered from anxiety is the most frustrating conversation you can ever have. Just calm down. When you're trying. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not going to work right now. Because I cannot physically 
stop my heart from beating and I cannot physically stop myself from shaking. But what you could do is you could completely distract me from what I'm feeling um, or you can ask me, okay, what do you need? And usually when somebody has heard a couple of episodes of anxiety, they do have certain things that make them feel slightly safer. And when you start going down that road of recognizing what makes you feel safe and what makes you feel not safe, you can start making those decisions before the anxiety starts. And that's what I've been trying to do over the past couple of years is kind of acknowledge and you know what Anesta does when she's like training to be a Valkyrie? Yeah. It's like, okay, I see this thought. I know that it's anxiety. Yeah. I recognize it. I acknowledge it. And then I put it away in the bin. <laughs> yeah. I dismiss this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that is really honestly the true the true way to just kind of know what's real and what's not. And a lot of it is not real. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it's any less valid. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I I don't like about Jackson is that he means well. I mean, you can tell that he he tries, but it definitely reminds me of those relationships where the person just doesn't understand what the mm -hmm. other person needs. And normally I would say that as someone with anxiety, it's also your responsibility to kind of voice your needs and make it yep. known, you know, but at the same time, Grace is very young, which means she hasn't had the life experience in order to know exactly what she needs anyway. So she, she also doesn't, doesn't remember it. Exactly, exactly. So she hasn't really learned. I mean, I was, I was, I would say 25 or 26 before I began learning how to really voice my needs and not feel mm -hmm. like, oh, it's nothing. I'm overreacting. No, my brain is overreacting. I am reacting completely normal. I am reacting to my brain overreacting, but I myself yep. am not overreacting. So just you know, being being old enough and mature enough to be able to recognize when those things are coming on is something that happens with time and practice and and acknowledging anxiety. Um, but Grace, she's she's younger and she hasn't gotten to that point yet. However, Jackson is not young. He is in a young body, but mentally he is not young. Therefore, he should be able to recognize these things. So I'm just it, so uh, should Finn, and I think Finn does. But at the same time, he doesn't he doesn't do the spell and goes, okay, this is not working. She's not calming down. What do I do next? What can I do to help this situation? Instead, he's trying to talk through it. He's like bombarding her with almost more things for her to have to unpack instead of going, okay, she reacted badly to those that news that I just gave her. Why don't we sit down and actually get her to work through this rather than just kind of continuing the conversation because they think, oh, well, the more she knows, the more information she has, the calmer she'll be. And it's like, no, 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 you're you're actually kind of overwhelming her at this point. Um, just sit down with her and say, it's okay that you don't remember because you're still safe. You're safe now. You are in my room right now talking to me. That means that you are safe and it's okay that you do not remember. But instead, they're kind of pressuring her into remembering anything that she possibly can She's already said exactly what she remembers. Yeah, yeah. They shouldn't be asking questions right now. They should be they should be explaining, asking a bunch of questions to try to pry to see what she knows. Yeah. That's that's not a good way to I mean, they'll yeah. they'll find those things out after they 
explain, but the explanation exactly just just saying, you know, this is what happened. Now what do you what do you know? Yeah. Do you know anything else that, that could help us? Yeah. Yeah, like this was this was our experience over the past four months. I understand that it was not four months for you, but whatever you can remember might help us put pieces of the puzzle together and let's work together to kind of create a rally reality for both of us. Um, but instead they're essentially saying, no, no, it's been four months. You've clearly been conscious for four months. You just don't remember it. So somebody's done something nefarious with your memory. And you, you could be, you could be an agent of evil right now because you don't remember anything. And she, like, that's how anxiety works is you start, your brain starts to move twice as fast as everybody else in the room because you're coming up with all the what ifs and it's like well what if i never get my memory back what if things happened during my memory that i've i've switched off my memory so that i never have to remember them again because they were that bad it's like no no, no. it's okay that you don't remember we'll work this out together yeah and she but they don't they just panic her <laughs> yeah they panic she panics they they panic under the veil of seeming calm, but nobody's really calm. Um, no, and nobody is. I know this this sounds horrible because I think that the way that it was written, it could have been. It just didn't come across as that. But nobody was genuinely happy to see her. They were all just like, "Oh my god, it's been so long. Why are you suddenly here?" Like it's all relief. Rather than like, oh, oh, thank God for you, like you're joining us, like that. This is nice for you to come out of the, out of the gargoyle. This is really nice. It's actually like a relief that she's alive. It's, it's quite clear that she's not aware of it. Otherwise, the first place she would have gone would have been Uncle Finn or Jackson or Macy. But she didn't. She was going to class, and the teacher should have kind of, at least keyed into the fact she she wasn't aware of what had happened yeah they, they they all they all didn't kind of communicate with each other like if the teacher was saying oh well, i found her on the way to class uncle finn probably would have gone hang on a minute she's not aware or at least she her brain is a little bit confused as to where like what, what time of day it is and stuff yeah it's just it, like everybody kind of reacted from their own point of view instead of looking at grace and imagining what it might have been for her to see people react like that to see her yeah yeah i don't i don't know whether i'm even making any sense no you are you are and she's i mean she's lost four months of her her life mm -hmm. not just her which life which is but terrifying she, yeah her her senior year which means i i noted that she that she missed like christmas and and mm -hmm. you know that yeah. that that yeah and valentine's day she missed she missed all of that and then i was sitting there thinking and i'm like do you suppose that they decorated her for christmas <laughs> <laughs> i hope so strung some lights on her put her put some gifts underneath her i would like i just I think that the whole situation was not handled very well at all and I know that hindsight is twenty twenty, and they were probably looking, like after that conversation, they probably are looking back going, I wish I had reacted like this, or I wish that I could have helped Grace through this. But in reality, I think everybody is very selfish in the way that they react to things, because that's what a reaction is. It's a reaction to your own thoughts and to your own like feelings. You know, it's, it's a knee jerk reaction 
Whereas they should have like nobody nobody spoke about it. It's like, oh Finn, um, can you come out of your office, please? Grace is back. And then Finn could have composed himself through the door before he opened the door for Grace to be there. But he didn't. He just ran out and every everything everything was really like sudden spur of the moment reactions. And it, it meant that nobody had any time to actually decompress and acknowledge the feelings and thoughts that were going through their minds. It was all a just complete relief that she was back. But she was like, I haven't been gone. So why is everybody reacting like this? Yeah. And then she comes to the conclusion that she's dead, which that that goes on for way too long before mm-hmm. anybody. <laughs> and the person who says, no, you're not dead is Jackson, which her, I mean, her uncle is standing right there. It, yeah. th- that conclusion should have never been met and it should have never been allowed to escalate for as long as it did where she's like I must be dead I have to be dead You're like, did you perform everybody's some crazy reacting ritual strange. everybody's reacting so strange to me being back and it's been four months since you remember me being alive I must be dead because that genuinely when you have a, a very very small grasp of the supernatural world and you know that the last experience that you had was somebody who was dead being brought back to life and it had succeeded that would be your first conclusion and she's mad i mean she's very smart all of a sudden that's true and is and is is making conclusions that are quite sound She's much more intuitive after her time mm-hmm. as a gargoyle. I think that that being a gargoyle did her some. I also think that it was her magic. Her magic is is coming back because the tea has worn off, or 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 whatever. Um, Our fan whatever theory, we've de- yeah, whatever we've decided is the reason why she's suddenly able to gargoyle again. Um, I feel like she's more in tune with the world as she's walking through it which would make her more intuitive and would notice more. So, for example, if she walked into the grounds of Katmere and somebody jumped down an entire flight of stairs behind her, like Jackson did last time, she would notice it because she's more in tune. (laughs) Yeah, and she's also not taking Jackson's BS, which, you know, first book, I'm not saying that she took too much of his BS, but, you know, she... She didn't demand answers as much as I would hope that she did. She didn't, um, it's not like Jackson did anything, like, wrong, but we've had debates about the level of consent with the first bite, where he did not specify what he was doing. She didn't know what she was, you know, signing up for, and then he just flips her around and bites her, and though she enjoyed it, it was still kind of one of those things where, eh, He's still kind of asserting his dominance a little bit. And he does it again in this scene where she's like, you would have done the same for me. Like, you would have sacrificed yourself for me. And he would have jumped in front of the sword for me. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but it's okay. It's okay if I did it because I'm the, and then she finishes the sentence for him. Oh, the guy. It's okay because you're the guy. And he's like, no, vampire. And she's like, but. I'm pretty sure that Hudson would have reached the same conclusion that if I use this sword, I'll kill you. Because why would he try and swing it at all if it was going to be a useless weapon? Right, because I He's mean- He's a if, vampire himself. <laughs> yeah, Jackson is is mad that Grace did it. But if Hudson would have swung that sword 
and it would have been Jackson. Jackson would have died. Jackson does not have magical fight against sword powers. It does make me feel very much like vampires are a lot more vulnerable than I thought that they were. Like, is there something special about the sword? Is is it a magical sword or is it just, oh no, we're, we're okay with swords, but he's okay with being shot in the heart and whatever Leah, El- like whatever else Leah did to him. Like he has really, really good curing, like healing properties, but he couldn't defend himself against a sword. Is it, I'm- he got shot with a trank gun. He got stabbed. Did he get stabbed in the chest? Yes, but you don't tranquilize someone in the heart. No, maybe his heart. That's different. that's so over the top. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't matter if you've got a hole or you've been like impaled in your heart. That's not good. Well, when I'm imagining this sword like coming down, assuming that you know Hudson to is, behead him, I'm I'm not imagining it being swung across. I'm imagining a straight strike down at kind of like a, an angle where it would be like right at like neck tendon cut through across to like under armpit of the opposite side. You know what I mean? Like a slash where yeah. you see it in the movies and, and then the, the half of the person just kind of dramatically slides down and hits the ground. Can we go can we go into spoilers? Because oh, I want to discuss Yeah, that. yeah, let's... Okay. So, if Hudson had swung his sword and Grace Hell yeah. didn't have gargoyle piles... Swing that sword, How Hudson. much, how much of an all-out war would that bring upon, like, the world? Oh, yeah. Hudson, I don't think he would have lived very long. I'm no. assuming someone would have jumped in and tried to kill him. Then again, he is significantly, I mean, we know that he he could Way bring- Way more powerful. He could bring the whole school down if he had wanted to. I think that in Charm, we're going to get that moment of impact. And I, I think that they're just going to- I think that the sword is going to be there. I think that they're going to like just poof. It's almost like, I don't know. I I think that they're both going to like fall and land on the ground and look around and not know where they are. And it's going to be Hudson and Grace and the sword. And we're going to get an explanation for that. And they leave the sword behind as well. Like that sword doesn't come back. So does Grace just have a sword <laughs> in her gargoyle like, that she could bring back? <gasps> any summon, point? summon the the sword, the sword, the sword, of, the sword of of gar- gargoyle door. door. <laughs> <laughs> the exact same thing. Because uh, um, yeah, yeah I'm, th- I'm thinking like Hudson hasn't bonded with her yet. Like he he just hasn't grown to love her yet. Even in the sense of like soul bonds or or whatever had actually formed. Because even when Grace comes back and has supposedly fallen in love with Hudson, they still don't have a bond. No, they- because the first the first thing that she says about Jackson is mine, which was very odd to hear from a female character. I've got to admit, that's good. I like I like that. I- yeah, um, and she was very like he's mine to protect, which was really nice. I was like, good, strong female character. Not going to be the uh, the damsel in dispre- d- dispress. Depress. Depress. Um, but yeah, like, Hudson wouldn't have any qualms about killing them. But I think he would. 
if he had swung that sword, the Hudson that we know and love at the end of Covet would have been destroyed. He would have been distraught at the fact that he had killed someone that wasn't in his line of sight. But also, I don't know why he was aiming at Jackson. That's true. I mean, he knew that Jackson had to kill him. Like in Covet, he yeah. he he. It was almost like a self sacrifice, where Jackson mm-hmm. could not have killed Hudson if Hudson was not to allow it. So because Hudson was powerful enough that he could have stopped Jackson, but he kind of knew that he had to die to end things anyway. So. Yeah. I don't know. He has, I, he has he has no reason to kill Jackson and everything throughout I mean not not throughout Crush because it is pretty much like sibling rivalry. Um but definitely during cover it is all to protect his brother. It's all to make sure that Jackson is okay at the end of it. Otherwise he wouldn't sacrifice his mate at all. He would he wouldn't be okay with Grace breaking their bond and going back to Jackson to make sure that Jackson survived. If his plan from day one of being resurrected was to just straight up sword him. Unless it was just an I'm also wondering how much time has elapsed between him dying and him being resurrected for him. Is he just continuing the combat? Oh, like he's like he was mid swing fighting yeah. Jackson and then he was killed. And then as, when he regenerated, he was in the same like position. Yeah, That's that he an- wasn't actually going to aim to, towards him at all. It was just inertia. That's an interesting theory. Um, I hope, you know, I don't think that we're going to learn how exactly Jackson killed Hudson in court. I think that we're going to hear it in Charm, though. I think that we're going to learn that in Charm. Um, I also think that he might have shown Grace. Four months of nothing but using each other's memories as entertainment. That topic is going to come up at some point. Yeah. But then uh, it, it, I don't think it's something that he's particularly proud of either. Yeah. To have been brought to the point where his his brother wants him dead. Yeah. Which is pretty miserable. I, yeah. Uh, um, oh, go ahead. Go, go on. <laughs> no, you're good. whether it's the same point. Um, so I, I, one thing that I did notice, and I don't think that I remembered it at all during the first read through, was that whenever she tried to remember either Hudson himself... Or what happened before she woke up, like, today, was this wall of huge, painful metal barbs sticking out that poke her mind in agony. I was a bit shocked. It's almost that's like a court of thorns and roses, like, forming the wall. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But it's against herself. It's not like a like an impenetrable barrier of just like, oh, this is odd. Like it's genuine pain when she tries to think of Hudson and doesn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And then we even when we get that first little line, which you know, first read through, I didn't think it was Hudson. I thought that it was that voice that she always hears in her head. You know, that yeah. where first we thought it was her intuition, and then we found out that it was the unkillable beast, but in reality it's Hudson because this is the first time that we have Hudson um or it talking. could be her it could be her own just like no not him we love someone else 
Well, that's what I thought. That's, I, I thought my first read through that, like, okay, this is her, this is something inside of her raising mm-hmm. red flags. But no, I think that this is that moment where Hudson is like, okay, we're going to go back together. We're going to go back. We we figured it out. We figured out how to, you know, return. We're going to return together. It's going to be great. We're in love. And then the second that she's back, she starts making those claims on Jackson and she says yours. And immediately she gets that stop. Don't not with him. And yeah, and they weren't even really doing anything. They were just, she was just kind of talking in her own mind about what he meant to her. There, there was no kissing or hugging yet. Well, there was hugs, but it, it wasn't was a, like, it wasn't a romantic hug or like cuddly, cuddly. It was just like a relief of like, oh, you're back. Right. Well, it was right after the yours claim, like the, the mine and yours, like that declaration of, yeah. of you are mine. That's when Hudson, I think, yeah. starts getting stirred up and he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, can you hear me? And you, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you got to know that, like, that was the point where he broke through the mental barrier because he felt so much. Because all other, uh, like, attempts to try and talk to her had failed until now. Because you know that the first thing that he would have done is like, okay, can you hear me? And then she's like, carrying Just on walking down the corridor of school. Like, she's got to be completely oblivious to his voice up until that point because that wouldn't have been the first thing that he'd said. Don't we get that bonus chapter where where they go back and she's walking through the halls and he's seeing it all? Like, isn't that one of the bonus yeah. chapters? I, I do vaguely recall it. Yeah, and he's talking about how can, like, oh shit, it's not just, oh, she doesn't know where she is. Oh, she, oh maybe she needs a bit of warming up. Maybe she just needs to, like, remember where she is. It's like, oh no, she doesn't remember anything like damn it it's not even worth trying to restart like yeah like that must be crushing <laughs> like, yeah. obviously know that that is the name of the book but that's not the reason why it's called that um i yeah i i feel for him so much and this point of view isn't even him <laughs> yeah yeah because we're imagining him witnessing it and and being like oh my god like i cannot do anything i mean he already probably within and i'm sure we'll hear it in charm but he already within the gargoyle had to convince grace that he's not evil build that relationship build her trust get close to her and then they obviously fell in love at at that point and then decided to try to come back together they went through all that and then all of it went away and he has to start over it's like have you seen 50 first dates with adam sandler (laughs) oh yeah yeah yes i have where she every morning she has to wake up and watch the videotape to remember that like she's married to adam sandler and has children and like but that's okay because she's starting with a blank slate imagine going in but she already knew adam sandler as someone that evil evil and that and also that she was in love with someone else yeah yeah that would be a difficult pill to swallow um, and we have absolutely no idea how long it took for Hudson not to win her over, but to convince her that he was indeed an actually like a good guy. Because four months was a very long time to be stuck in a room with someone. And honestly, I think it would happen to anybody if it was just you and a man for four months, you would eventually start to develop feelings for them if you had nothing else to do but talk to each other. Yeah. Because that is the human nature. It is to empathize. 
but we have no idea how long it took out of those four months for those walls to break down. It could have been three months. Yeah. Three months of it was spent trying to win her over and to convince her that he was a good guy, and then all he had was four weeks of just actually an okay conversation. And well, so when he says it's not even worth trying again, I think it's not just, oh, she's not worth it. It was just a, such a long time to fight for her that he doesn't have the energy to do it again because he doesn't think that he's worth it. Well, speaking of which, it's it's it, this is spooky. Um, 11 minutes ago, Tracy Wolf posted like a line from chapter one of Charm. And it, the, I mean, Did it's, she? yeah, it's Ooh. not, it's not like, it. it's no big reveal. Like she just kind of posted Aww. her screen and I can kind of see it. But the first line is, my head feels strange. Actually, every part of me feels strange. And I have absolutely, and that's all I can see. But so she's, that, that's, that's a good little hint though. So she's, she's woken up and she's probably just like, oh, my head, like. Yeah. So stuck in a gargoyle court that you have no idea what it is. Yeah. Well, and like, we, like, because we're in the spoiler section, we can definitely kind of talk about this. Is that she does have memories of where she went and what she spoke about, and the memories because she paints Hudson's lair, but she has no conscious memory of it. So it is there somewhere, but she just doesn't know how to access it. Yeah, she doesn't know what she's painted. She has no idea. No. It's just something that she's like, oh, the, this I've had this in my head. I like I have like almost a feeling like it's trying to dredge up a memory from your childhood where it is it's not that it didn't happen, but it's you had the perception of a child when you witnessed it. So it might be not just did it happen, but also did it happen the way that I thought that it did? Um, is this just a random thought that come to my head or is it an actual memory? Like she doesn't have any of that. Like there, there was a point where I asked my husband the other day because there was a song that I just heard my parents sing over and over and over again. It was always on the radio. And I was like, I swear it was about a pair of dice. And I was like, I can't, like, I was like, why is there a song about a pair of dice? And I was like, oh, there's a song. There is a song about a pair of dice. And seven years ago, Gangster's Paradise played on the radio. And I was like, <gasps> this is the song. A pair of dice. Exactly. It's like as a kid, you have a memory and it's not a false memory, but you've perceived it differently because yeah. as a kid, I didn't know what a pair of dice, I didn't know what a paradise was. So my brain went, well, she's clearly singing, he's clearly singing about a pair of dice. <laughs> And I'm and that's how I'm imagining her trying to sort through those memories is like like was this a dream? Did this happen? Like you and me, we have those we have those conversations where we're like, did this happen or was this a fever dream? Right. Like was this a different book? Like did this actually happen in this book or was it a like different character? I I am imagining that that's what charm is going to have is going to have things that were very apparent throughout Crush and Cover. We just didn't know that they were a memory. Yeah. Like there's certain like maybe there's a song like Shut Up and Dance. Will that be in charm as the song that they play over and over and over again? She just doesn't know why it makes her so happy. And why she's suddenly willing to put aside like her animosity and have that moment of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I asked a couple questions. Did you see the fan polls? Yes, because I panicked that we hadn't set any polls at the beginning of the podcast. So I was like, oh, has she put any questions? Oh, yeah, she's put questions up. That's fine. And then I put my phone down. I didn't actually read them. Okay. So the first one that I asked was, were you surprised when you found out that Grace is a gargoyle? Which technically where we've read so far, um, that wasn't really, that wasn't revealed in this chapter. It'll be in the next one. But... No, but we knew we knew that she was at the end of Crave. Grace just doesn't know herself, That's, which I think is yeah, wrong. I you're think right. Should have led with that. Like, by the way, you're a gargoyle, and it's been four months. Cool. Yeah. So, I was, I was very much shocked. I'm like, of all the things, because <laughs> my my idea of a gargoyle was that little statue that sits, you mm-hmm. know, on the roof and pukes water out when it rains and i'm like that's not that cool <laughs> but it ended up it ended up being cool was it weird for you too were you like oh yeah i was kind of like what is she gonna do like be a stone yeah like hold she's, really still like, i i think that like with werewolves you can kind of imagine what their powers are it's like you know what a wolf is so you know what kind of attributes a werewolf could have uh, with a vampire, you know the law. You know that they can bite people, and they they usually have like powers of persuasion, and they can convince you at like to be lustful against uh, for them and and things like that. Some of them can transform into bats, kind of thing. Gargoyles, I have absolutely no law that I can draw upon <laughs> from previous experience that makes her badass. And I was really just like, oh, I really hope it's not going to be like. A lukewarm, lackluster, supernatural creature that I was like, oh, she's still going to need just as much help? Or is she just like kind of, is she invulnerable to attack, essentially? Is that it? Yeah, I, I also, know that that's, uh, yeah. I also wouldn't have wanted her to be like, oh, she is, she is the most amazing creature ever, the best creature that there is. Nothing compares to this almighty thing, because if she was like completely invincible, then that would take away from the... Like oh, of course she yeah. she transforms into the craziest thing that there is. Like she she's pretty she's pretty equal. I mean she brings she brings something unique to the table, but it's nothing that's so astounding that she's like better than any of the other paranormals. She's she's no. Equal. I mean I was I was already quite intrigued by what she was able to do. So she was able to absorb a blow from a sword, and be kind of unscathed by it, and also past four months of time and no one aware because if you hadn't read the bonus chapters if you had gone okay the the chapters after are spoilers for the next book i don't want to read them thinking that like you were going to ruin it for yourself and you wanted to wait kind of thing you didn't read them she could have just gone okay and now i'm awake again you're like what happened oh it's been four months oh my god like she's not only done this thing with sword but she's also kind of slept for four months and nobody knew where she was kind of thing I can't think of any supernatural creatures that that would have been. So it was still going to be a surprise no matter what it was. If they'd said vampire, I would have been like, wait, what? She's a Medusa. That's a strange. Like, she could have been anything. Yeah, like, it could have been anything. Because already those superpowers aren't like, oh, she's howling. Oh, it's a full moon. Like, it was going to be a fun surprise 
regardless of what she was because it wasn't a cliche. Right. It wasn't something that every other series has already covered. It's something completely different, which is cool because yeah. now there's something unique. Gargoyles are cool. Right. We're bringing something like when's the last time that you heard about gargoyles in fantasy? You know, it's it's something Never. that's... Yeah, it's Never, but apparently there is a lot of fiction about them, apparently, that we've just skipped by. So I think that I might add them to my reading list. So if anybody else knows any other fiction books about gargoyles, like, let me know, because I'm interested. Yeah. So most um, of the audience... I also think... Oh, go ahead. I'm also glad that Tracy didn't make up a creature, because that also infuriates me. Uh, what's what's the series called? Um, is it like the Grim? Grim? Is it Grim? Oh, I don't know. There's there's a, there's a there's a series called Grimm, and it's about the brothers Grimm and the creatures that they create. Yeah, but they but they refer to all of the creatures in German, and it frustrates the hell out of me because I'm like, I don't know what this is. I understand that I speak German, but if you're listening to it or or watching it, and they start lift like referring to a, a Luftbader and things like that, and you're like, what what is that? <laughs> Stop making stuff up. Um, and they do it throughout as well and you almost have to kind of have a dictionary in front of you to remember which creature was what that frustrates me so yeah. i'm glad that she went with something that i'm like hey at least i know how to say gargoyle i know what a gargoyle looks like and i can kind of have some tangible memory of what she's expecting us to imagine whereas if she'd made them something up i think it would have been too much and i would have probably been a bit more i um apprehensive about reading yeah, I always get that way when something is is proposed that is hard for me to visualize, which is why I kind of struggled reading the second Daughter of Smoke and Bones uh, book. Maybe I think it's just because I wasn't in the mental like state to be able to build new environments and new like Daughter of Smoke and Bone is very much like different pieces of animals combined where you have to be able to visualize like this animal's head, this animal's body, this animal's legs, because they're all pieced together. And I had a lot of trouble with some of the creatures, but um, I, I think that I'll be better at it. And I was able to look up fan art, but uh, yeah, most of the audience said exactly the same. 83% said that they were surprised. 17% said that they weren't um, because it is, it is such an obscure thing. And then my other question was, if you had to be locked in stone for four months, like you almost get to just like skip four months of your life, which four months out of the year would you choose? Interesting. Yeah. So um, do you have four that you would, that you just know that you would skip? If it was based on seasons alone, I would skip the summer because I absolutely hate warmth. But then if I did that, I'd miss my birthday. So I think I'd have to pick the like the spring months you know like march to to may or june i think like, march those to may sort of months like ugh nothing really happens easter is a bit crap i don't i'm not i'm um, no it's not it's not a season i'd be sad to miss whereas halloween and christmas is fun easter is meh. i'm okay missing it mother's day again i'm okay missing it. yeah <laughs> Um, like there's nothing in those months that I would be sad to forget. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I would say And spring. rubbish weather. Oh yeah, in Ohio, like spring, the spring months are not spring here. It's There's snow on the ground in 
March and sometimes April. So I, I wouldn't mind skipping those. Um, let's see. Let me pull up. Show me the responses Instagram. <laughs> I Google. I Googled some of the grim monsters. <laughs> Let me giggle even more now. <laughs> Just like Fushbau and Hexenbeast and Zauberbeast and Zerstor and Blutbad and Hundjäger and Alpa. Like I wouldn't know what any of those were. Those are so when I come across a word or a name or something that my brain doesn't want to pronounce, I give it a stupid name that kind of sounds similar to what I've read. But most of the time, it's nowhere even close to <laughs> what it actually is. But I, I do that so that I don't have to focus on it I and I it, can just continue I think reading. it comes with good world building, though. So, for example, I don't necessarily... I wouldn't be able to draw what an ator looks like at all. But it was... It wasn't something that I forgot immediately what it was. I, like if it was mentioned, I know I, like my brain could bring back all of the occasions where the Atta was brought back. Um, same with Harry Potter. Every time there was a creature that mentioned, I knew what a Grindelow was. Like I knew uh, what a pixie was. I, I knew what all of the, all of the creatures were inside of it because they had been built into the world so seamlessly but some worlds are really difficult to get into and grim was just one i was it was it was just the unrealistic expectations for me to keep up with what what the monsters were called <laughs> yeah let's see so it looks like most people it's an even mix for the months Mm -hmm. It's either they skipped all of the winter months, November, December, January, February, March through, uh, or I'm sorry, January through April, January, February, March, April. But then yeah. there's a lot of people who are like June through September, summer months. So it's like an even mix between people who said no summer. Yeah. The, the entire season of summer. I live in Texas. Yeah, I lived in Texas oh, for a yeah. while. It was awful. Um, November, December, January, February. Yeah, it's it's like split right down the middle between people who would sacrifice all of summer or sacrifice all of winter. And it appears, it appears that most people start with January. January to March <laughs> seems to be the most common. Yeah, nothing really happens. I like Valentine's Day isn't that much of a big deal for me and my husband. Like, we'd be okay to skip it. In fact, we only really celebrate it because people go, oh, so what did you get for Valentine's Day? And if I say nothing, they look as if, like, we don't love each other. <laughs> I love February. It's, I've got, well, it's I've your got, birthday. It's like, Taylor's birthday, too, which is more significantly yeah. more fun to prep for your kid's birthday than it is for your own. But I've got, yeah, and then mine and Mark's, uh, like, we got together anniversary is in February. There's Valentine's Day, and we celebrate all that. So we've got, you know, four. Well, I noticed you've already put your decorations up for Valentine's Day. I, I have. Noticed. Yeah, but, well, here's the thing. Seasonal depression can't catch you if you put up decorations right after you take Christmas down. Uh... So Christmas goes down, February goes up, and then St. Patrick's Day goes up right after that, and then Easter goes up after that, and then voila, it's it's warm outside again. And happy Fourth, happy Fourth of July, everyone. <laughs> Like you can you can outrun seasonal depression if you go fast enough. So there there was something that you wanted me to read out. I did. 
this is this is a good way to end the uh, to end the episode too. Let's end it on a on a comical note since uh, Scott did his lovely Hudson impression. Um, I can't remember what episode it was, but while you were here, it was the Catmare Guide. Yeah, the Catmare Guide episode, and now we have some. Oh, what was it? Is it a? It's his synopsis for what happens in the second book. Yes, from her husband, who has not read any of the books, but he occasionally hears us talk about them, and hears he he's listened to a few episodes of the podcast. Yeah, but this is but he's listened he's listened to all of them. Oh, but that we're very much background noise. So he says, "I just like I enjoy listening to your voices." <laughs> I don't think that he's taking in any content. Obviously not, because the synopsis no. is awful. All right, so I think it's amazing. Tell us what Crush is about from Scott's. It's perfect. not called Crush. It's Curve. Curve. Okay. Curve is about Grace, the newly discovered gargoyle, who is being peer pressured by Jackson, the dragon. No, vampire, <laughs> to disband the gargoyle club and join the vamp clamp. Clamp vamp camp. Hudson, the river or water elemental, is sad because he doesn't think gargoyles float. And there is Lottie, the werewolf, so-called because she likes a lot of moon, who wants Grace's babies. And this book is set over one year, unlike the last book, which was set over a week. And this includes a summer vacation to Yugoslavia. It's a myth country. People don't believe it exists anymore, but it's under a veil of stardust and magic to remain invisible. Uh, and he also said lots of characters, because he, he was kind of giving uh, renditions of what they would say as well. And he was like, yes, yeah, so Jackson is like, Grr, Grace, why don't you join the vamp camp? And Hudson's like, Grr, Grace, why don't you float? And Lottie's like, Grr, Grace, why won't you have my babies? <laughs> so apparently they all set, they all start their sentences where did, with, Grr, Grace. <laughs> where did Lottie come from? I have no idea. Where did, I think he was trying to remember Macy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think he was trying to remember Macy, and then not just the fact that like she's a witch and called Macy, he went Lottie and she's a werewolf because she doesn't get a lot of sunshine. <laughs> and I was like, wait, that's a vampire. And he's like, no, no, she likes a lot of moon. <laughs> I wish I was recording it because I would have given it to you as a story, guys, on Instagram, but he just kept talking and there was no point where I could get out of my phone and start <laughs> recording and it makes sense. Um, but yeah, he kept talking for about 20 minutes about what his exceptions were for what what he thought the book was going to be about. Um, and he was like, yeah, it's called, it's called Curves because she's constantly trying to um, curve around Jackson and Hudson because she wants <laughs> them in the friend zone. Because <laughs> she wants um, to be with and Lottie. Yeah, and uh, he started a lot of sexual innuendos about water um, and how Hudson wants to um, like finish in her mouth and things like that. He's like, wait, I just made a geology. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, so that's why she's curving is that she she's just bending around it. He's like, it's the new friend zone curving. <laughs> oh my God, that's beautiful. He just wouldn't, he wouldn't shut up. You need to... Get him to do it again for Covet when we start that, and okay. get get him do that. Get a recorded synopsis, and we'll yes. have him have him on the podcast. <laughs> and uh, I think that we need to instate a vamp camp, vamp camp, and va and gargoyle club, vamp 
and Gargoyle. Well, they were all called clubs. And he was like, nah, vamp, vamp, camp. It was Gargoyle Club, Water Club, <laughs> Werewolf Club, and then Vamp Camp. <laughs> he was like, they don't like to follow the crowd. <laughs> But I loved the fact that he was like, yeah, Jackson the dragon. And then he was like, no, wait, he's not a dragon. He's like, wait, he was, I know he was this. So, yeah, he was correcting himself. It was it was adorable. He did his best. It it, it, it made my car journey much more bearable. <laughs> one, one gold shiny star sticker for Scott. Yeah. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. This has been episode 19. In next week's episode, obviously, we are going to get a little bit more about Grace turning into a gargoyle. So we'll try to maybe read a couple more chapters than we did this time around. I just wanted to keep this episode shorter because I figured with it being the first episode, it would end up being a, uh, we'd end up, you know, talking a little bit longer, which we did. Always. Yeah. And uh, don't forget, guys, on Sunday. Is it Sunday? Yeah. Sunday, (laughs) I'll be posting the next ASMR video on the YouTube channel, which you can only listen to on YouTube. It will not be posted on Spotify. So make sure that you subscribe to Crave the Book on YouTube. Uh, The podcast episode's post there as well along with some cool visuals if you want to listen to those but that is where you can listen to our asmr series which is great to either you know you can sleep to it you can turn it on to read to and hopefully by the time court comes out we will have a nice big collection of them to listen to while you read so that's a lot of fun and and feel free to put into the comments what you would want as an ASMR ambience as well. So we've got a long a long list of them, but any that got requested a bit more than the others, we'll try and make sure get done. Yeah, sooner, I'll, I'll prioritize them. Um, and make sure to like the videos as well, because that all helps the algorithm. Yes, absolutely. All right, guys, thanks so much for hanging out and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>